Welcome into another edition of Brewcast, where we have a huge show on the docket. We're going to look back at the opening weekend of the NCAA tournament, where the Michigan Wolverines have advanced to the Sweet 16 for the third consecutive year. Still alive, so going to be happy to look forward instead of recapping a season. We're also going to look through the brackets as a whole, take a look at everywhere around the country because Anthony is convinced that the Spartans will beat Duke. We'll talk about that a little bit. We'll take a look at the road ahead. We'll take a look at the road ahead. And we've got a lot to get to. But I am Luke Yardy and joined as always by my co-host Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani. Guys, how you feeling after the weekend? Pretty good. Um, Bracket looks okay. Not that I'm really worried about it that much because – yeah, I'm in. I'm in a couple bulls for money, but it's nothing that like it's gonna make or break my March Madness or anything. But uh, I thought the first few days of the tournament were pretty boring uh, overall. Uh, still good games, but not not quite the buzz that we're used to seeing. But Sunday's games kind of, I won't say made up for it all, but Sunday's games were terrific, especially you know Duke Duke UCF will go down as like an all time classic as far as I'm concerned. So uh, for a round of 32 game, anyways, but. Yeah, it was a good weekend. Uh, watched a lot of basketball. Um, stayed home quite a bit. Actually got, somehow was more productive because I decided to stay in and watch most of the games. So got that done. Got some, uh, obviously, our Michigan game coverage done and a lot of NFL uh, draft stuff uh, in the hopper as well. So it was a productive uh, weekend of sports. Yeah, I did. Uh, I was working uh, a lot over the weekend, which, you know, like, wasn't wasn't a ton of fun. Uh, I wasn't able to watch much of uh, Michigan's game on Saturday, but uh, yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with you guys as far as the quality of the games. I think good games. We didn't. There were a lot of games that felt like they were really close to going to that next level and becoming all time classics, like N- New Mexico State and Auburn was one that was like, it was just on the verge of being potentially an all-time collapse, all-time classic game. And then uh, New Mexico State shot one of the worst final shots I've ever seen uh, to to end that game. Like, if Iowa would have pulled off that comeback yesterday, we'd be talking about that as an all-time game. And it still might be. It was just an amazing comeback. And obviously, uh, Duke VCU, so... uh, Or not VCU, I'm sorry, UCF. Uh, But as for... In a, in a way, I'm glad there wasn't a ton of drama because it means we personally didn't have uh, a whole lot to worry about, and neither did uh, the Michigan Wolverines, who put together the the word I, I, I keep using is a very workmanlike, consistent performance. Uh, it was a business trip, and business was good. They took care of everything they needed to take care of. I I will say it was kind of a a stress-free weekend uh, for Michigan fans. Maybe the first half of the Florida game was a little bit stressful because Florida was shooting the lights out, though. I tweeted about this. I was not convinced Florida was going to keep continuing uh, to shoot the ball from the perimeter that way. Their averages over the year just – they weren't that and water always finds its level. So uh, for the most part, a really stressful free weekend, though that's going to change completely. Come Thursday night, we're going to take a look ahead as well. But I, I like the way you put it, Chris. It, it was a workman's like thing. I mean, they just go in, they take care of business, they play good defense. Uh, it, they never go on these like crazy runs where they turn you over a bunch and, and they get breakaway dunks and things like that. Like that's very rare for this team. They just 
get stops and you know they'll they'll go possessions where they don't score and then they get another stop and they do go score it, it is kind of interesting to watch it and i think that's the perfect way that you put it chris it's they they show up and you know you, you hate to say it they bring their lunch pails man you know they they do the they do the work that they're required to do to to move on to the sweet 16 uh what did you guys you know what else did you guys take away from from the weekend for me it's that Charles Matthews is just a different player when it comes to the tournament and really the non-conference in general. Yeah, that's before I get to Charles, I'll just say this like yeah, there wasn't the upsets in the Cinderella stories. I mean there were a few. Uh Liberty was was one. UC Irvine, uh I had them in the Sweet 16, but they did get the first round upset. Obviously, Oregon uh, was able to knock them off. Uh Belmont was a team I liked, but Maryland was able to get by them and then obviously LSU got by Maryland. Um I I don't Honestly, I, I if people want to say, oh, it was boring because there wasn't as much trauma, uh, there wasn't as many upsets, I'm cool with that because really what it's doing is paying it Thank forward because it gives us, you know, most of, I think this is the first time ever since the seeds expanded that the one, twos, and the threes in every single region are in the Sweet 16, which is awesome because that, you know, it gives you the best matchups. It gives you, like, this is what we want to see. Yeah, like UC Irvine winning was cool, but you know, say that team goes to the Sweet 16 and plays Virginia, or I don't know, um, you know, Liberty goes up and plays Duke. Like they're gonna get smashed by those teams. Like when you get to this part of the bracket, it's all about those matchups. It's all about who's gonna play who. So um, the matchups for for Thursday, Friday are incredible, and, and there's the potential for. Uh, some terrific Saturday Sunday matchups as well, which is just the way you want it. Which in turn will set up terrific matchups for the Final Four, the national title game, all that, etc. So, um, yeah, pretty, pretty happy overall with how the opening weekend was, just because uh, of the pay it forward aspect. So, to Michigan now with Charles Matthews. This is to me, it kind of feels like think of a wide receiver, like obviously different sport, but like the difference between playing big 10 football, maybe you're a faster wide receiver or whatever. And then, you know, you don't, you don't exactly put up the numbers. You're not always utilized correctly. And then you go play in a more wide open style in the NFL. And you kind of, there's more room for you to operate and things like that. I think that's kind of what Charles Matthews is doing against teams, not in the big 10 because non-conference Charles Matthews is very good tournament. Charles Matthews, as we've seen for, this is the eighth, tournament game he's played at Michigan now um, I know the numbers weren't there exactly on Sunday but still I mean some of the things you see him doing the way he's able to run the floor and defend um, you know defend on the wing and all that like it just seems like against a lot of these other teams outside of the Big Ten they're just not used to that type of, of athlete so um, yeah I'm encouraged by what we saw out of him I, I mean I think really just encouraged in general. It seems like it's a team that, and we'll talk about, you know, both of those games here, but it just seems like a team overall that sort of, you sort of saw it in Chicago a couple weekends ago, sort of, you know, get their swagger back, get the, you know, the fire back, the competitive juices flowing again. Um, never at any point, even when Florida was shooting as hot as they were on Sunday from the perimeter in that first half, never really felt like Michigan was in trouble. It always kind of felt like that they were going to be okay. And they were more than okay. They, they wound up, you know, for the most part, running both of those teams off the floor. Um, and that's, you know, I think that's what you wanted to see. 
Yeah, no, I mean, I absolutely agree. I, everyone knows at this point, I mean, it's, it's become almost a parody of itself. My uh, on-again, mostly off-again relationship with Charles Matthews, um, the way that I've 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 ripped into the guy. I've said the team is better offensively without him. Then he goes off for twenty in a game. Um, I think he he played much better, much more confident basketball. He played within himself uh, uh, in these last two games. Not forcing stuff, not dribbling into traffic, uh, taking what the defense was giving him, driving to the basket. It, he he should be focused on being more of a slasher. I, he's not a great shooter. Um, and he's not a particularly great ball handler, but when he gets uh, ahead of steam going, and I think a lot of this has to do with Xavier Simpson, his ability to set up the offense. Um, Matthews is good. Uh, and, and I tweeted this and it was kind of a joke, but not really. And it was, you know, I'm comfortable with Charles Matthews taking shots within five feet. Uh, it's when we go beyond that, uh, where, where I get, I get a little bit nervous. I feel like when Matthews, uh, I, uh, shoot, I kind of lost my train of thought here. But uh, no, I think that, uh, you know what? Shoot, I, I forgot what I was going to say, so I'll let you guys take over. <laughs> I was going to say, I, we'll, we'll let you talk your way through it. Well, yeah, I, no, I, well, I, I don't want there to be dead air, so go ahead. I, I, basically, wanna, basically, this is Chris's version of uh, he loves me, he loves me not. Actually, I just remembered it. I'm sorry. Okay, I feel like, and uh, I might have to look into this a bit more, I feel like when Charles Matthews holds the ball for more than, I don't know, seven to ten seconds, uh, or I'm sorry, for more than ten seconds, I feel like bad things happen because uh, I think he tries to force things and the shot clock starts to run down. I feel like when he gets ahead of steam going, when Michigan's on a break, I think he's really good in those situations. I'd have to look more into that. You know, I might not be right, but that's kind of the, the what I got watching these these first two games in the tournament. I, I did want to – Chris mentioned had trouble handling the ball. Have you guys noticed that, like, with these Wilson balls in the NCAA? It feels like Charles Matthews, like, can't hang on to the ball. Like, he's losing control of it quite a bit. He keeps wiping down the ball, and it, it's – have you guys noticed that at all? I haven't looked, uh, you know, hand to God. I haven't looked at the balls all that closely. Uh, wow, that sounded kind of dirty, actually. Um, <laughs> there's phrasing. There's a drop. Um, <laughs> oh, you yeah, that. Uh, I haven't really noticed. I mean, you notice that he, Charles in yeah. general just has a tendency, you know, Wilson balls or not, that he kind of just tends to, sometimes he kind of magic harps his way around the floor where he just kind of flops around and loses his footing and, um, I almost think he is more athletic mm-hmm. than he's able to handle at times. Like, or I don't know. He's just, sometimes both hands aren't on the steering wheel. I think is the best way to put that. Um, but yeah, uh, now that you mention it, yeah, I did kind of notice that. Um, and really just Charles in general. Uh, I, I think that Michigan, like we've, this is, this is what cracks me up. So there is a portion of Michigan, you know, Michigan Twitter, Michigan fan. I mean, I'll call them Michigan fans because it's Michigan fans on Twitter. Um, you know who the people that like respond to the Maze and Brew tweets during the game are and things like that throughout the season. Like we have 30 plus games to know who, who they are. But then, you know, when the big games start happening, you know, the, the Michigan State games, the Big Ten tournament games, the NCAA tournament games, you start to see some of the people from football season end up in the mentions and it's actually kind of funny to me how surprised 
it's not all that surprising to me, but it's funny to me how many of them are like caught off guard that this Michigan team doesn't shoot the basketball very well. They're like, Oh, this team stinks offensively. I can't even bear to watch him. It's like, where have you been this year? Where have you been really the last two years, two and a half years? Like this is what they are. Um, so that's kind of interesting, but I guess what I, where I was going with that is that no, this isn't a good shooting team. We've been over that, but I think that they are. Uh, I think this team's better when they run, and and Charles Matthews is an example of that. You know, one of the actually the play of the you know Michigan's play of the tournament so far was the fast break uh, where Xavier Simpson bounce past you know whips a bounce pass to Isaiah Livers from three quarters of the way down the court uh, for arguably the most thunderous non-Zion dunk of the weekend. Like, that was insane. Yeah, it was dope. Um, yeah, that was... Oh, I've watched that probably at least 50, 60 times. It's so Me good. too. That was one of those plays I was actually able to watch at work, and I remember, yeah. I, 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 I like, leaned back. I almost put, like, a Kenny Smith on the dunk contest where you just kind of freak out. <laughs> almost knocked somebody over, but it was worth it. Well, <laughs> I tweeted this. I was sitting... I watched that game at home. Uh, I was not in Des Moines. I, I had, sorry, no offense, Des Moines. I did not have any interest going there. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm sure I'll get there at some point for for something. Who knows? But uh, so sitting in my chair at the other end of the living room, and this dunk happens, and all like I'm literally, you know how when you get comfortable in your chair, you kind of slunk into it, and like you really have to like pull yourself out of being slunked into the chair. That play happens. I sort of black out for a second and I'm standing at the other end of the living room. It's like, Whoa, how'd I get over here? So that was, <laughs> I, I liked, I liked that tweet, Anthony. You're like, man, I'm tired, but I oh, somehow dude. ended I, up over. I very on the other side of my living fell room. asleep moments before the game started. It was, <laughs> which would have been bad. Cause obviously, uh, I mean, sure. You could fabricate a game recap and game coverage out of that, but that's just not, you can't do that. So uh, I pulled it together and, and they woke me up and it was a good, it was a good Saturday. Um, good weekend overall. Not a big fan of the, you know, was happy that it was a five o'clock tip off um, as opposed to. Oh my God, I'm going to get, we we're going to get into this at some point, right? I, I need to rant about it a little bit, but I don't think this well, is you, the time and place about Thursday. Say, death, death to late tip offs, but we will get there in a minute. So, um, <laughs> That's really, I, I guess those are really my takeaways from the weekend. Like um, the way I put it in a radio hit earlier today was that was what Michigan did to Montana, what Michigan did to Florida. Those are two games. Those are what two seeds are supposed to do to 15 seeds and 10 seeds. Exactly. Period. Like there's nothing, there's yep. nothing to discuss yep. or really talk about. Like they, you can't, no, compl- there's nothing no, to complain I mean, about, I don't think. Again, the things that you could complain about are things that we've known are flaws with the team all season long. Yeah, they don't shoot the ball very well. Yeah, when John Teske's not on the floor, they don't have a whole lot uh, to back that up. Duh. No shit. Where have you been all season long? Like, <laughs> I get tired. Like, those takes, they don't register right, with me. Right. It doesn't matter now. Um, could matter down the I mean, like I said, I don't. I do get I do get a little scared a little when they go small though. You know, like I I have faith I have faith in them. I I just don't like defensively. Florida was the perfect team to do that against. They didn't really have yeah, that much of a presence guy, like anywhere inside. Nine, but like, like it was not like we were. Yeah, it was. 
Not let, not let, quite Montana though. Let me say this. Mon- yeah, they Montana put out a shooting guard for the jump ball. <laughs> that was yeah. Oh man, was that was that was pretty it. funny. Um, I guess the best way for me to describe it is, you know, if every you know think college football season where every game matters. You know, one game and in most cases your season is kind of over. Or I mean, obviously this isn't a direct comparison, but to me that felt like two non-conference football games. Like you, you do the business, you get your work in, maybe you're not overly impressive. You're not blowing teams out by 40 or 50, but at the end of the game, you're emptying your bench and you know, you, you're alive still. So, um, and let me say, but but also to also to be quite honest with you, though, I, I think the, the win over Florida, the way they did it was more impressive than a lot of people are giving them credit for because of the way Florida oh, dismantled me, Nevada. Like Florida had a decent season Nevada. this year. They I, and I'll be honest. I didn't watch. I think I maybe saw one or two Nevada games this entire year before the tournament. I did not realize like all that team did is play ISO and hero ball. Michigan would have probably beat them by 10 to 12, too. So I like it, it's funny to me in retrospect how I don't want to say worried we were of that matchup, but I think um, defensively they would have gave them more problems than Florida did. Probably they were a little more. I think they would have been physically a little more up to the task of of guarding Michigan. Um, and, and, and dude, once you get to March, man, and, and like you, you can't help but be concerned with every yeah, matchup. Right. These aren't oh, teams, absolutely. These aren't teams that you've seen before. These aren't teams that you've seen before. And I mean, one do one bad half, but do five bad minutes can erase your it's, entire season forward now. And well, it, it damn yeah, it exactly. damn near happened so to it, Tennessee. Yeah. It, it um, yeah, you know, damn near happened to Duke. Duke we'll, we'll talk about that game in a second, but. Um, yeah, that was easily the game of the weekend. Uh, and like you said, a couple bad, mm-hmm. couple bad minutes. Uh, Oregon was up, I think, 12 or 14 at the half over UC Irvine. And then UC Irvine goes on like a 14, nothing, 16, nothing run, like right out of the locker room. And like, that's a game and, and kudos to Oregon for, uh, for pulling that out. But, you know, like you said, a couple bad minutes and you're, you know, once you, there's a couple things we always hear in March. The one is. Someone makes a big comeback and you go, oh, are they going to have the energy to, uh, you know, to finish things off? And the other is, you know, once you take the foot off your foot off the gas, it's really hard to get that back. So that teams like Tennessee, Oregon, um, and even Duke to a certain extent were able to kind of pull themselves together is, you know, those are those are good wins for those. You know, overall, Tennessee, to me, absolute fraud, like they're going to flame out here probably before the end of the weekend. Yeah. I, I got him in the national championship, but I'm, I'm a bit worried. Yeah. That's, now but Hey, yeah. we said like last year, like people are going to say, Oh, Duke is, you know, Duke is beatable now. And yes, I, I think that they're, these teams down the stretch are going to look at Duke and go look at the way and forget taco fall, um, human stick figure taco fall. Forget about like <laughs> him and all that. I think teams are going to look at that tape and there's something there on how to defend Duke. Like if you, you know, if you're able to pack, if you're able to have a, make if, them, if shoot. you're able to have a seven foot six guy, I think the blueprint is there. Yeah, but he, you know what? That's what sucks about that too is that all that UCF needed to do at the end of that game, Zaya misses a free throw. Yeah. You just need to grab a rebound. I also, like the the shoved in the back thing, like Dawkins took a step forward instead of 
like going into his man. At that point, it, yeah. it is what it is. Like if you're gonna box yeah. out, you gotta box out. Yeah, and people are saying that. Um, I, I forget what people are saying, but um... people, are saying, <laughs> people are saying a lot. I I didn't even know Aubrey Dawkins was still playing college basketball, man. It, it, I, I forgot. I, I saw him play in like November. I didn't realize I he's had two and medical redshirt or not medical one. Obviously the redshirt year from the transfer yeah. and then a medical year last year. It felt like he was, he played for Michigan like yeah, six okay. years ago. Like I was like, what? Oh, I know. Grace, I, th- I thought he played with like goddamn Lucas Perry. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, I don't. It wasn't that <laughs> long ago, but that's, that that's kind of yeah. just how it felt to see him out there. Like he is, he was a Perry Ellis kind of feeling out there. But anyway, uh, so two good wins yeah. uh, for Michigan. We could talk more about the NCAA tournament, uh, looking around the rest of the brackets as well. Take a look at the road ahead uh, for the Sweet 16 for Michigan. We'll be back after this. We're back in here on Brewcast, and we've still got a lot to talk to. A great opening weekend of the NCAA tournament. A lot of chalk, which means we're going to have two more weekends of incredible, incredible basketball and incredible matchups. Uh, Taking a look around the rest of the country before we get in here uh, to... You know Michigan's path to the Sweet 16. You know who I, I do want to ask you guys this: Who do you guys think was the most impressive team from the weekend? Um, Chris, I'll let you lead this. Oh, thanks. <laughs> uh, you know, like do you want? I I have one in mind. Like for me, it was Purdue. To be quite honest with you, oh, they good answer. It's a good one. That they impressed the hell out of me. Like they they won in multiple ways. They shot the ball terribly against Old Dominion. Still got a thirteen point win, and then went and beat the brakes off of Villanova. Purdue. I had no faith in Purdue. I had Purdue losing to St. Mary's in, in my bracket, yeah. and I I had no faith in the Boilermakers. I think Carson Edwards is you should trade just too much, and he's too inefficient. But they proved me wrong. They look really good for this opening weekend. That that's a really good pick, and that the Purdue Villanova game was like. All of a sudden, you realize, oh wait, so, okay, so that's why Carson Edwards shoots as much crap as he does, because sometimes <laughs> yeah, they right. go in. It's it's like it was the first game in a long time where he'd caught fire, and uh, I think he set a career high in points. I have two that come to mind, and it's weird because neither one of them won super convincingly in both their games, but I think. Something about Kentucky really impressed me, and I, I don't with, without it's hard PJ to put my Washington it. too, which is yeah, may, I, th- that might that might be it. I think they kind of had their backs against the wall against a, a good Wofford team, uh, and another team that kind of surprised me just because I I had them getting bounced in the first round, and I had no confidence that they would win even after they survived in the first round. Uh, Auburn, Auburn just 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 kicking the crap out of Kansas in their second game after a near collapse. I think, and I don't, once again, I I should look more into this. I feel like when a a high seed barely wins their first game of the tournament, I feel like very often they they end up slipping in that second game. And that's kind of what I thought would happen to Auburn after they narrowly survived against New Mexico State. But they, they took it to Kansas. And look, Bruce Pearl's never been to a Final Four. That dude can coach, man. That guy is a. I mean, he's. This is Auburn basketball. I mean, unless unless you're Charles Barkley, nobody cares about Auburn basketball. He's gotten people to buy in there. Uh, not saying that they're gonna win, but uh, the, or move on to the Final Four. But it, they, those are two teams that that impressed me. And I think uh, 
I think they're in the same uh, bracket. So yeah, yeah, they are in the Midwest region. Um, Yeah. Kudos to Auburn. Uh, Kansas, that Kansas team stunk this year that they were, I don't think I saw I them win a game. They all beat year. Michigan State every the first night of the year. Every I think I that's the only time I ever watched them, and they won. That was it. Yeah, and then they went <laughs> one and thirty-four. Yeah, first so. one and thirty-four team to ever make the tournament and be a be a four seed. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I'm just looking through the regions now. Uh, there's a, that South region with Virginia. Virginia is going to play Oregon, and then Purdue and Tennessee. Talk about three of the four coaches who generally teams flame out early. Uh, something's got to give there. Uh, Purdue, Tennessee, Matt Painter. Seems like they always have good teams, but never. Um, know, they've had teams that are much better than this that have uh, failed to make it far. Rick Barnes, that's kind of been his MO his entire career is, uh, you know, not being able to get it done. Obviously, Virginia for a while on what was it Friday thought thinking maybe they were in a little bit of trouble with a 16 seat again. Yeah. But, um, you know, I said, I said, to, I think it was a buddy of mine. I'm like, ah, you watch they're, they're down 12. They win this game by 15 or 16. There's just no way that's going to happen again. So, um, I actually have Virginia in the national title game. So I can't say I was impressed by them. Uh, but you know, shout out to them for, for getting it done. Um, I'm look, I think you want to talk most impressive teams. I mean, but LSU two wins without a head coach. And, and I think actually yeah. they, they match up pretty well yeah. with Michigan yeah. state. I still think state wins that game uh, in the sweet 16, but uh, you know, yeah. they, um, if there are after effects of what's been going on with them, I haven't really seen it. Um, you know, I, they've played some tight games, but I, I, that's, that's what happens this time of year. Uh, most impressive to me, I think is, Probably so far, I have to say Texas Tech is up there. Uh, what they were able to do to Buffalo, um, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, that's not inspire so. a lot of confidence uh, for this weekend. Uh, we'll talk about Michigan's matchup with them here in a little bit. Uh, but anyone who thought that Michigan's Michigan's road through their region was going to be easier than Michigan State's, uh, you know, obviously Michigan State struggled a little bit with Bradley. Uh, Pretty much, there was a little bit of drama in the second half, but blew the doors off Minnesota. Uh, you know, there's there are Gonzaga looks terrific right now, just destroying everyone. Uh, Gonzaga, Florida State's going to be an awesome game too. I, I really do think that the athleticism yeah. and you know the, the length of Florida State is going to give them a lot of problems. I think that's going to be an awesome game. Um, obviously, winner of Texas Tech, Michigan will get that. Um, North Carolina. What else can you say about them? They've been great all year, really, except for that game uh, in Ann Arbor has really been it. But other than that, I mean, I mean, picks wise, I think thir- I have thirteen of the sixteen in the Sweet Sixteen, and all of the Elite Eight, all of the Elite Eight teams are alive. So that's where I'm at. Um, we'll see how it goes. I don't, I don't think anyone. I'll say this: Duke's resiliency was impressive to me uh, because there are. I think there have been maybe some more talented teams that, than them that Coach K has had that probably would have maybe lose that game. Um, but the way, you know, it's not always – they're still the odds-on favorite to win. And it's probably – there's probably a sizable margin between who's number two, uh, especially now that Zion's healthy. But it just goes to show in a six-game tournament, 
you're gonna get challenged at some point and uh like we said that that's really one of the all-time um you know you talk about these force of nature games zion versus you know a, a six foot you know or, i'm sorry seven foot six monster of a of a human being who five. i'm not sure i've ever seen any basketball player just not have to jump to like dunk like he just reaches up pink it's in there <laughs> i know I know. And I tweeted this out yesterday too, on Sunday. Tall. What does, cause listen, I'll be honest. Yeah. He's tall. That's great. But can't shoot at all. He can't shoot free throws. He can't shoot jumpers. You know, I'm sure he'll get some looks in the NBA, but what does a dude like that do when basketball is over? I loved, like, <laughs> I loved some of the replies that you got to that tweet. Yeah. And the best one of course was uh, the maestro himself, Scott Bell. He has returned from the dead and the tweets are still good. So shout out Scott. Yeah. Uh, I, I do want to say though, you know, we're talking about Duke right now, but Anthony, you think that Michigan state will beat Duke and go to the final four. And I just, I, I do want to know, you know, assuming they both get there, assuming, yeah. assuming they both get there. I do. I do envision both of them getting there though. I know Virginia tech did beat Duke uh, earlier this year, uh, but, but both are favorites in their game. So assuming they both get there, like what is it about Michigan state that, that you think they match up so well with, with Duke? I know Duke doesn't shoot well from the perimeter uh, shot really well against UCF though. UCF wasn't even trying to guard them on the perimeter. That was a weird strategy. Um, what, what is it about Michigan state that you like so much? Is it Cassius Winston? Just the point guard position? Like you mentioned before the tournament? Well, first and foremost, at this point, it's kind of stubborn pride. <laughs> I'm kind of doubling down on the pick. Um, it's to me, cause really, yeah, everyone's everyone across America in a bracket pool. Cause let's be honest, 90% of people that entered their brackets in have Duke in the final four in the national title game, winning it all. So me being someone who does not have them in the final four and does obviously by extension, not have them winning the national title. You know, I'm sitting over here, you know, in the corner, you know, twirling my mustache and um, snickering to myself that all these dummies are going to lose Duke before the first weekend of the tournament's even over. Um, So that's part of it is me, you know, I guess maybe my (laughs) ego, but um, realistically speaking, I think it's because I, I don't know. It's it, it's hard to explain. I, it, to me, it is to me it, the the difference at the point guard position is absolutely huge. Uh, I think that you know Trey Jones is he's all right. He's a good player, but Cassius Winston is arguably. I mean, he's not he's not John Morant, but John Morant was not on a very good team. Like let's just let's just call it what it was. Um, Cassius Winston might be the second best player in college basketball, all things considered. And um, I think he's good enough to be a difference maker in a game like that. I think Michigan state shoots the ball better from the outside. I think with Nick Ward, uh, Xavier Tillman guys like that, I I think that they can physically be up to the challenge of, of handling Zion. And maybe it's part of, it's just sort of the team of destiny type thing. And, you know, maybe, maybe teams of destiny. I, I can't, I, yeah, We'll give my Michigan predictions here in a bit, but I can't shake this feeling that round four between those two teams is going to happen. I, I just, I can't shake that. I don't know why. Um, and I don't know how to feel about it. And um, I know we have a topic on that coming up soon, so I won't give away too much of it, but it just, well, it just feels, let's, I don't know. It just feels something you have to just go with your gut and my gut. That's what my gut is telling me. I'm sorry. 
Well, let's let's talk about it, Anthony, because you said you actually put out a poll. I don't know what the results were, I but you asked up. if Michigan. Yeah, pull up pull up the results because you asked on Twitter. Put the poll out there that um, if Michigan goes to the Final Four, do you want MSU or do you want presumably Duke, uh, Virginia Tech, or LSU? You know, pretty much is where we're at this point. the The tweet was uh, for the entire field, but I mean, I didn't know I. I said anyone else, I don't want to see Michigan State a fourth time. And quite mm-hmm. honestly, the reason the reason for that isn't even so much like Michigan and Michigan State aren't that much different. Like Michigan State's 3-0 against Michigan, but two of the three could have gone in Michigan's favor just as easily, and they didn't. And I get that. Michigan State's a great team, and they were able to make the plays down the stretch. I, I think Duke is a bit better of a team than Michigan State. I think they're a more difficult matchup for Michigan, but at the same time, the reason is – I honestly don't think like w- the fan bases are mature enough to handle that situation. To be quite <laughs> honest with you, I don't think the state could handle that situation. So that's I don't want to see it because exactly it would be I an want absolute to see it, mess. Though. Luke, I think you're absolutely right. But the one thing they and I voted literally anybody else on on the on the poll that that Ant put out. But uh, the other thing that these these fan bases wouldn't be mature enough to handle is the idea of a Michigan team that lost to Michigan State three times advancing to the final four while Michigan State gets knocked out in the second weekend. That that would break Spartan Twitter. Um oh yeah. They they would start complaining about the draw. Right. And you know, like, I get it. But and then they'd like, they start I, rooting I, for Duke I to talk, crush Michigan too, which is so poetic. Right. I talked I talked even last week about how I thought Duke was not this invincible force that a lot of people made them out to be. Uh, so I, I don't want to see Michigan State again. I mean, I'll, I want to see him again if Michigan wins. But, uh, no, I, I, I guess maybe it's – expectations have changed a little bit. Like, I, I'm, I'm fine with – if Michigan makes it to the Final Four and loses to Duke – I'm not going to be disappointed. You know, making it to the Final Four is is such an achievement in and of itself. Uh, to make it to the Final Four and lose a fourth time to Michigan State, a fourth freaking time, would be a a. I mean, you'd all it, this is crazy, but you'd almost have to call it a disappointing season that they just couldn't get by them once. It might have changed their entire year. So. Uh, yeah, personally, I don't, I would like to see somebody else, but you know, a lot of people feel differently and I, and I get it. I guess the question comes down to this. Let's just take it for what it is. Duke or Michigan state. And we're getting ahead of ourselves here because they might not even beat Texas tech. Like I know this is a hypothetical. This is, this is the type of topic that fuels sports radio for a week or in our case, a podcast for however long we end up talking about it. Do you think Michigan would have a better chance of beating Duke or beating Michigan State? I I think. <laughs> Oof, that's so, man, that's and tough. this is why, like, like sports fans are just irrational in this sense. Because I'll say it, I I think on. I would say Michigan State, and it's it's oh, it's really the main thing. It's just by virtue of the fact that I. I just a fourth time losing. I just well, yeah, that's so tough yeah, to do on both. I don't, I don't know how you come back. Like, it's even more, more any. Difficult. 
any rivalry clapback, like you could say, oh, Mo- no Wagner at, at uh, uh, Breslin, you know, crossed over Nick Ward. It's you could say all this stuff, you know, slap the floor. I don't know how you ever come back from that. I don't. No, I, I, I don't. And also, not even from a fan standpoint, but from a player standpoint. So here's the thing. If Michigan goes up against Duke, it's an unfamiliar opponent. Both teams are unfamiliar with each other. There's really no mental advantage. For Michigan taking on Michigan State, if it's tight down the stretch and Michigan goes a couple possessions without scoring, what creeps into their head? Like, it is just human. A really good point. It, 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 you know, it's just it's a way it's a human element. There's there's no other way around it. You can't force yourself to believe in something that you don't actually believe in. You're gonna get tight in that situation if you're Michigan's players and if you're Michigan State. Any lead that Michigan gets on you, you're gonna feel like you can climb back in. Whereas if you built the same lead against Duke, they might not feel that way. I, I feel like Michigan State would hold a very, very key mental advantage in a fourth game against each other than than Duke would hold over Michigan. That's that's really fair. Probably. Well, and you'd have to think, you'd have to think about this too, is that if that, if, if both teams get to the final four and that's the matchup, it's going to be another example of every matchup they've played this year. I think I'd feel like if it was a national title game and it was only a quick turnaround on a couple days, I think I might feel better about Michigan's chances because every game they've played, has been separated by, you know, the first two regular season games were separated by, I think, two weeks. The Big Ten title game was separated by um, six days, I believe it was, six or seven days. And then Final Four would be, you know, six six days after you played your last game again. So it just feels like that's what the trend has been there. Um, this I'm going to put on my, Mich- you know, I'm going to take the Michigan hat off for a second. I'm going to put on Michigan State hat, and I want to... And Chris, you might mm-hmm. be able to channel this as well because you're from the area. If MSU got all the way to there, then lost to Michigan, a team they beat three times in the final four, what would that reaction be like? On the flip side, so obviously Michigan too. We just talked about what it would be like if you lost for a fourth time. But from a Michigan State standpoint, would getting that Duke monkey off your back, the thing that might be the biggest storyline that hangs over Tom Izzo. It's a giant dark storm cloud. Would getting that monkey off your back be worth it Uh, if you went to the final four and then lost to Michigan? No. And and, and they might, they might say, uh, I I mean, no, I I don't think so. Uh, And maybe, especially in the instant after it happens, absolutely. Everyone will say, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. Uh, maybe in hindsight, a couple months later, or a year later, they'll say, well, we got the Duke monkey off our back. And so we were able, and then we lost to Michigan, which sucked. And <laughs> it's not, it's not even just the Duke monkey. It, it I mean, the Duke monkey, it sounds so <laughs> ridiculous. I'm sorry. Um, I'll bleep that. Um, it's not even the Duke monkey. It's the Duke, the, the Zion Williamson, it's, it's you know, RJ right. Barrett, Cam um, Reddish, best team he's ever had. No, I mean that's that's a really good question, uh, and I can't speak for everyone, but to me, there's something more heartbreaking about getting there and coming up short than not getting there at all. Sometimes, sometimes, like I would not, tr- like I would not trade Michigan making it to the national championship for a loss in the final four, like them making the, making it there and losing twice. Amazing. 
You know, I, I, it, I wouldn't trade anything for those runs. But what I would compare this to, and similarly, and it's another Big Ten team from a couple years ago, when Wisconsin beat Kentucky and Kentucky was undefeated and it felt like Wisconsin had just won the national championship, and then two days later, ironically, playing Duke, who was not as good as Wisconsin that year for the first time ever. Wisconsin had a lead in the second half, and they blew it. And there, and I remember just the reaction of not just Wisconsin Twitter, but I, I remember like just Big Ten Twitter in general, just feeling so sad for Wisconsin, like like that they that they come that far and come up short. I think it would be a similar reaction. Like we got we conquered Goliath, only to lose to the team that looked at us as Goliath all season. I think that would just be just heartbreaking. It would, it'd be hilarious is what it would yeah, be. If it worked out well for, for Let's Michigan. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's, it's fat. This, this, I'm looking at this as like a mad scientist, like watching, you know, ants in an ant farm. Now, like at this point, just give it to me. I, I just want to see what happens. Like, cause let's like, do we, do we, can we honestly say weeks? We think this is a final four team for Michigan. I think they're good enough. Uh, yeah, I think I think they're, yeah, good. I mean, I think we, they're good enough could, to come out of the region. I think so too. Uh, but you know, if it's Michigan I, State, I, I think this is a better Michigan team than it was last year. Even though they don't have like the goal to score like Mo or see, I Mar. disagree with that though. I think you, you had the go to guy, and you were a little bit, you had a little more poise in a guy like. Uh, I mean, you're, I yeah, yeah, I get that, but you're uh, you're better defensively by yeah. almost every metric, and you're better offensively too by almost every sure. metric. Think, just, okay. just not down the stretch. Think you might know? be better, more talented as a team, but I don't. I I, think, I, don't, I guess I want to say. I, I guess what I want to say is they're better. How do I put this? They're better throughout the game than they were last year. But like we've pointed out, they don't have that guy like Wagner or Marr, you know, down the stretch. So it's hard we, to, I guess, would quantify. we feel the way we do if Michigan had just beaten state one of those times? No. Like, would it feel? No, it'd be completely okay. different because they'd, they'd have a banner in Chrysler and they'd have more confidence going into these games. I, I think you're right. See, I think. And I like either way, just get there. I don't really care who they play. If we're being honest, like they oh. could play Virginia tech. You could play LSU. I, I don't care. Um, if you're there and if, if you're there and it's Michigan state, you're there, you're, you're in the conversation. Like that's, I, I think that I, I think I'd like their chances against Michigan state better than I would Duke is all I'm saying. Uh, because I well, think I, I could foresee it. Like think about taco fall on Sunday. John Teske gets into foul trouble against Zion Williamson. Then what the hell are you going to do? You're going to have Colin Castleton body Zion. You have <laughs> Brandon John. Like yeah. they will, That's they will point. get snapped out of existence. Like, good point. Um, so I don't, well, they have, well, they have to get there first yeah. and we've got to take a look at the road ahead. Two more games coming up potentially for Michigan before they can get Minneapolis to Minneapolis. We'll talk about that next when we come back on Brewcast. And we're back in on Brewcast, ready to look at the road ahead for the Michigan Wolverines as they try to get to the Final Four for a second consecutive year. But uh, really tough game coming up on Thursday night. And I do, before we get into the game, want to ask you guys, 
Why in the hell would Michigan and Texas Tech be scheduled for a 937 tip, which is probably going to be a 10 o'clock tip Eastern time, in Anaheim, which is 7 p.m. out in Anaheim, I know, well, I know yeah. the answer to this, well, but I'll let you I, talk. I just want to. I just want to know when I'm looking around the the other brackets because not everyone else, uh, as a one seed, is playing in the first game. But Gonzaga, they're out of Washington. That is 4 p.m. Washington time. I, I so if you know the answer, I do want to know, Anthony, because I can't make heads or tails of why in Ann Arbor it's going to be 10 o'clock and it's Lubbock. Mich- it's going to be nine o'clock. Why in the world would we they be playing that late? Michigan fans. Michigan fans in Anaheim are going to outdraw every single team in that pod combined is why that is basically good. These are basically going to be home games for Michigan. Maybe not like, you know, maybe not like 80%, but like these are going to be very pro Michigan crowds uh, from what I understand. And basically what they're doing by this is like, yeah, the Gonzaga people will come out the uh, Florida state, like, yeah, whatever. Um, they're giving these Michigan alums out there. This is my conspiracy, but uh, I, I also believe it to be true. So it's not really a conspiracy. They're giving them time to get there for what would be uh, what they're going to play about da, 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 nine or uh, it'd be about six, six thirty, seven o'clock LA time or, or Anaheim time, whatever. It's all the West coast. Same thing. Uh, I think they're giving, the, they're going to give those people, they know, who's going to pack that. And if you know anything about traffic in, in California and out that way, it's a nightmare. So I think that they know what the demographics of it are and they're giving those people a chance to get there. Oh, that makes sense. That's, that that's makes sense. I think. All right. I'm just, I'm just upset about it. Like it's a Thursday night. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure well, we're upset. Cause we're here in 40, you know, 40 degree head ass Michigan um, where it's still cold. It's still kind of, I mean, the clocks were moved, um, move back or move wait forward. So it's not getting dark quite as early, but 10 o'clock is 10 o'clock. Like it's going to be midnight when the clock hits zero on that game. Well, okay. What, what's the tip off is approximately nine 39, but we know, we know it's going to be around 10 o'clock. It's going to be, we know it's going to, this is basically, is this the last game of the night? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess I we'll be well, I, I we'll guess be I guess technically it's not the last game of the night because out in uh, Louisville, nine fifty nine for Virginia Oregon is is the tip time, and same for Houston Kentucky Ooh, in the Midwest. That's a real City, exciting so. game. Yeah, right. No one cares about that. Houston, first one to fifty five. Well, you want to talk about that? It might be first one of forty in this Texas Tech Michigan matchup. I mean, Ooh. I I'm looking at this man. These this is the same damn team going up against each other, like. Michigan. I said this in the when I did the regional or the regional breakdown when I wrote from the train last week. This is the Spider Man meme game. This is the pointing <laughs> at each other. No, it, exactly it, it literally it is. is. Like, look at. I know I like to use advanced metrics, maybe a little too much, especially considering I don't understand the formula. Or I don't know the formula that Kempom uses, but I know that in context, like Texas Tech is the number one team in adjusted defense is eighty five three, right? Michigan is number two at 85.8. And if you want to know how much 0.3 makes a difference, not much because the third best defensive team in the country, Virginia, is three full points around worse than Michigan at 88.1. And like these, these are the two of the same teams 
going up against each other. Offensively, there's not much difference either. So, like like you said, Anthony, this is the same. This is a Spider-Man meme game. I First one to 40 might win. It's going to be boring to a lot of people, but it's going to make me a nervous wreck watching it. Yeah, I kind of, I'm, upon first glance and, and having seen what Texas Tech's kind of body of work is now, to me, it's going to sound so simplistic. And But the team that makes its shots, its open shots, will win because those those open looks are going to be hard to come by. Um, I think it's going to be, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a little more high scoring than, you know, I certainly think if you're a betting person, you should smash the under on that. But um, it wouldn't surprise me if someone got a little bit hot. So I think it really just comes down to who makes the most of their quality looks. And it's going to be, does Charles Math Charles Matthews to me is the biggest key in this game because he, in all likelihood, is going to draw the assignment of Jarrett Culver, who, you know, is averaging I think 18 points a game. A lot of people think that he's a lottery pick uh, in this NBA draft coming up. Like whoever, whichever of those guys has the better night, I, I think that's cut and dry. That's cut and dry. Who wins this game, as far as I'm concerned? So, um, do I like? I, I think I'd give the I want to give the edge to Beeline and the Wolverines because they've been there. They've been in this situation before. This is the five, the fifth Sweet Sixteen they've been to in the last seven years. It's you know the second year in a row um, and third time under Beeline that they've had thirty plus wins. I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt to win this game, but to me, this game is as simple as those two things I listed. Uh I, I will say I am concerned about this, and, and I'm sure you guys are as well. Like, if Michigan gets down in this game, like if they come out cold offensively and they give up some easy buckets and they get down six or eight, like, do can they come back on on a defensive team like Texas Tech? Do they have the offensive firepower to come back in a game like that? Like if they, it, like Loyola Chicago last year when Loyola got up like eight on them in the first half, if that happens against Texas Tech. On Thursday, I don't know if Michigan can climb out of that hole against for how good Texas Tech's defense is and how sporadic Michigan's offense is. I I think I'm actually more confident in this game than you guys are, and that's rare. I mean, the, the word confidence associated with me at all is kind of strange, but I, I think <laughs> um I, I I don't know. I look, Chris Beard's done an awesome job at Texas Tech. Um with a week to prepare, and look, this is a minor X factor, but I think it's an X factor nonetheless. Michigan, an extra day to prepare for this game. Well, they might not have known who they were playing. It's an extra day of rest. You bring up Charles Matthews being the X factor. Uh, I think defensively, for sure. To me, Jordan Poole is the X factor for like the rest of this tournament. Like, if if Jordan Poole is hitting his shots like he was against Florida and not falling asleep defensively and not forcing things. I mean, I, there are certain similarities with him and Matthews as far as their ability, their ability to look great at points and their ability to just force things that aren't there sometimes. Um, I think if Poole can settle in and make some shots, um, I think Michigan's in good shape. And I think with, given six days to prepare, I, don't know, I like, I really like Beeline's chances here. I, 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 and maybe I'm a fool. And look, I haven't seen Texas Tech play a ton. But another thing that gives me confidence is I think I think we realized over this last weekend just how absolutely loaded the Big Ten was this year. Uh, 
I think it was Drew Hallett who who tweeted out um, that probably Beeline's two most talented teams, 2013 and this year's team, um, didn't win uh, anything in the Big Ten, didn't win the regular season, didn't win the Big Ten tournament, uh, because those were the two years in which Big Ten was just absolutely stacked. And I think Michigan's just more battle-tested than Texas Tech. Yeah, I think it'll be a fairly close game, but I I, I like their chances. And I, not to jump ahead, but I, I I think if they play like they did over this last weekend, I kind of like their chances in both games. Yeah, and, and I'm looking back at, you know, just go back to the last year, uh, what they were able to do in the Sweet 16. I, this is a much... Exactly. Tex, this Texas Tech team is a much better team than that Texas A&M team they saw last year, but after surviving that first weekend, and I know it may have, it may have sort of been a new lease on life type of deal because you know last year's team had gotten down ten early to Montana. Obviously, it took that the miracle shot from Jordan Poole to even reach the Sweet Sixteen. But once that monkey was off their back, they got there and they blew a Texas A and M team who was, I think. I want to say they had a top 15 Kempom defense. I can go look that up. Um, pull it up here. Yeah, that Texas uh, Texas A&M team from last year uh, was the 14th ranked adjusted defense on Kempom. And obviously, we're talking about the number two ranked defense on Kempom right now. So this is, that's, you know, it may not seem like a huge jump, but it is, especially when you go by the metrics that Luke was talking about. But uh, Michigan came out in that game and, and shot, was lights out, uh, I think it was it was fifty two twenty eight at the half. They beat them ninety nine seventy two. You know, it, once I think I, I don't. I certainly don't think they're going to be caught looking ahead at all. But I think they know that they have no. bigger things in play, and I think they'll be ready. And I actually think that they'll be um, quite locked in because as you know, as impressive as and as thorough as those first two tournament wins were, I think that when you look um, when you look at that Florida game offensively it wasn't uh no left a little bit to be desired still so i i do think that this they will if you're asking me who's going to make the the majority of the open shots if you're you know i know chris beard has done a great job but i'm just i'm just going with the guy that that's been there before and and who i think has you know the the more talented team of the two i think they're more battle tested i think over the last two weeks their their level of the workmanlike um, attitude this team has taken on the the way they go about their business, the way they're competing, the way they um, the way they fight. I just I, I think that I'm give you know you give them the edge in this game, and it's it's not an easy matchup. This you know like I said of the the gate you know of what was possible, you know of course you maybe would have rather seen Buffalo, but Texas Tech is is um, I think when you put the two teams up against each other. They're very similar, but I think that Michigan just has a little bit more. And I think they have, uh, I think they pretty much hold the point guard advantage in just about any game they play in this tournament. I absolutely, I mean, Xavier Simpson has been phenomenal. Um, I I do want to, so say they get past Texas Tech because they are favored in the game. And the way this tournament's going, it's been chalk. Texas Tech has looked great, but. Obviously, also very, very difficult to prepare for a John Beeline team, even though, you know, they've they've got a couple more days to do it. But also on the horizon could be a Florida State rematch of the Elite Eight last year. It could be a really good Gonzaga team. Uh, which team would you guys rather see between Gonzaga and Florida State? Keep it in mind, like 
I Gonzaga's a good team, but Florida State, I think their length and athleticism would give Michigan a real problem. Yeah, I, I, I man, that's tough. I, I, I guess I'd lean towards Gonzaga, and I could end up eating my words for that. But uh, yeah, I, I think Florida State, uh, they're experienced. That even last, even last year, you know, they gave Michigan trouble with a, a less talented team in in that Elite Eight game. Uh, that was a really close game, and they're they've been playing really well lately. I mean, their only loss I think in their last ten games or so has been to Duke, and you know, it was what was a pretty hard fought ECC tournament championship game. Um, not so not to take away anything from Gonzaga, but we we we've talked about Gonzaga and our kind of trouble believing in them sometimes. And as good as they looked over these first two games, I still kind of have that feeling. So I would lean towards them. Yeah, I. I think it would still be Florida state for me because I, 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 I mean, I have, again, it's not, it's not about my bracket. What, Cause my predictions are, are worth nothing for the most part, but I have Gonzaga winning it all. So I just perceive them as being the best all around team in this tournament, I guess. Um, Florida state was very impressive over the weekend, especially um, God, who hold on here. They played Vermont. Okay. Murray the State. way that I mean, I mean they, I don't want to say they didn't play anyone, but outside of John ja Morant, who did like that? Where was the, you know, they just out athleted them and and they they outplayed both teams that they played. Um, I think that that Florida State. You know, if you want to talk about that game for a bit, I I really do think that Gonzaga is going to have a rough time with that uh, with the the athleticism and the length because I don't think they've seen. I haven't really seen athletes like that since they played. Um, you know, they play. They played Tennessee too, right? They lost to Tennessee, I believe, uh, non-conference play. Do I have that right? I'll look it up. Um, I think you're right. Yeah. I, they just they just haven't. I just don't think they've seen the athletes that Florida State has all that much. Um, it, it's weird because you can say that Gonzaga. It's it's so. I, there's not, there's really not an, and there's not going to be an ideal matchup this time of year. But uh, I, I think that uh, of the two teams, yeah, I, I would this all this rambling and incoherent, you know, mumbling and all this stuff. I, I just, I think I'd, ra- I'd rather see Florida State. Uh, putting it plain and simple, uh, you talk about a team that took care of its business, like Michigan did uh, this weekend. Gonzaga certainly did that, and they'll be battle tested now. I will be interested to see. Not only interested because whoever wins that game will play Michigan, but I'm just as a as a team in general, you know, if, assuming they're a national title caliber team, they're going to have Gonzaga will be tested as much as anyone um, this weekend. Well, as we uh, roll along here, you know, we're we're getting down to the nitty gritty. We're taking a look at the tournament, obviously. Um, but also, there was something that we didn't get to yet that I know you know we we wanted to touch on a little bit, and that was the controversy. I, I guess you could call it that uh, over the Tom Izzo stuff, uh, the way he kind of got in the face of Aaron Henry uh, a little bit. You know, I think we wanted to touch on that uh, a tad here, and I had a take on it. I thought it was a pretty lukewarm take. A lot of people didn't think it was a very lukewarm <laughs> take. Lukewarm, yeah, takes. right, That's exactly. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much what I what I said was I think you know hard coaching is a good thing it's needed I think Tom Izzo in that 
one instance went over the top. And that's that, ready to move on. Then a lot of people were not thrilled with that take. A lot of people were not. And I was like, look, man, I think you can get your point across without doing what Izzo did, like having to get pulled back by teammates, whether you want to call it being restrained or not. I don't really really care. We're arguing semantics at that point. I think he looked ridiculous doing it. If it works, it works, I guess. But I still think he went over the top. But if Aaron Henry doesn't have a problem with it, okay. I know I would have a problem with it being coached that way but hey it that's that's just what Izzo does but regardless of that's what he does what people think about it it's over the top it just is but I, I digress you know people can say what they want yeah I'll say I I don't there were there was some hot takes and think pieces throughout the weekend of oh this is approaching uh you know Bobby Knight levels and oh Aaron you know he was about to hit that kid he you know the kid was in danger I don't believe any of that. I think some of that is, I, I hesitate to use the, you know, the SJW term that's really sort of toxic when you talk about the internet, but I, I just think it's, I think many of the takes are sort of soft is all I'll say. Um, now I'll say this. When it's not a great look, it's actually a very bad look yeah. when your players have to hold you back. That I don't care for. Um, I don't like that type of coaching. I mean, isn't for me, but I'm also like a schlubby white guy who never went anywhere in sports. Um, but let's not pretend. I mean, there was, I think that Chris Barnes, Chris, Beard. Chris Barnes, um, yeah, Chris, well, they, it was, was it okay. Chris it was, well, it was, <laughs> I meant to say Rick both Barnes. had incidents over the weekend. Yeah. I, that was, that was a, yeah, that no, was the no, old. That was I the old Tim Apple right over there. there. You just you just <laughs> combine the two coaches. Hey, hey, hey! Watch it. Watch, watch the class you put me in of people. I don't appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll. It's funny. You, I, I'm sure you guys have sort of had this happen before. Isn't it funny how some of the, like, you could send out what you think is a bad or like harmless tweet, and those are the ones that like not go viral, but those are the ones that you got a lot of reaction to. Like there was the video that went out of, you know, Izzo doing what he did to Aaron Henry. And all I said was, and this wasn't, I mean, I guess it kind of was trolling, but um, all I said was this video is right here is why Michigan state has traditionally whiffed on the one and done type players because yeah, that's Zion Williamson. Isn't going to come to Michigan state and get his ass chewed out like that. Like Jabari Parker wasn't going to do that. And I know, know they had one of Duns. I had a couple of people say, Oh, what about Jaron Jackson Jr.? And, and it's like, no, like you, you're missing the point. Um, that was all I was saying by that. People were saying, Oh, yeah, no. where are all those one and Duns oh, that Michigan's up. getting? Tell those blah, people blah, blah, blah. It was balls. made like, what about just stupid yeah. assholes? As if, as if that has anything to do with any, anything, you know, a lot, a lot of times. Yeah. I think I, I just think a lot of people took that as me like trolling Michigan State. I was just like I wasn't even trying to say I thought it was bad what he was doing. I was just like that right there. When people ask why Michigan State doesn't always recruit better, it's because that's that's not the type of program they are. The, Aaron yes, Henry yes. is a freshman, correct? I believe he's a tr- three years from now, two years from now, he's gonna be like lead dog on that team, like carrying them through the NCAA tournament. 
and he will have stuck around after getting chewed out like that because that's what happens with Izzo players. He recruits them, he breaks them down, he builds them back up into what, you know, into what an Izzo type player is. And they have this weird sort of um, cultish loyalty to him. That kind of sounds bad too, but you know what I'm saying? Like the, those, most of those guys that have come through there, I've never heard a bad thing said about Tom Izzo and the way that they're coached. And, you know, I think it, if you're, if you're taking defensive plays off and things like that, yeah, you should be held accountable for that. And I have no issues with a coach getting in your face. I'll tell you a quick story. One of the most scarring and um, sports experiences I ever had. So I was the backup center on my high school football team, which is like, that's as about as low as it gets on the totem pole. As far as I'm concerned, the backup center, um, for whatever reason, the starter couldn't play. So I got forced into game action uh, against probably one of the best teams of the year we played. And I sucked. I was terrible. I was whiffing on blocks. I had a few bad snaps out of the shotgun. I walk over the sideline. My coach grabs me by the face mask and goes, if you keep, uh, you keep whiffing on your blocks. You keep sucking ass out there. I'm going to put your ass at quarterback and see how you like it. And there were a few more expletives in there, but like th- that was, <laughs> um, I don't hold anything against my coach for that. I love him. I-, I love the guy to this day, but sometimes you need those moments to like get you back on track. But like I said, the optics of the situation are when you get caught on camera with players holding you back and who knows what was going on in that huddle. It could have just been them saying, coach, 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 don't worry. We got this. We'll make sure he does what he needs to do on the court. It, it probably was something as innocent as that, but I, I just get tired of the, you know, Oh, if you were, this is kind of Izzo's response to it. Oh, well, if you were, Brett, he, uh, right. if, if you were yeah. held accountable at your job, it's like, okay, first of all, if I had a boss that came up to me and like got my face, right. That, well, it would I be would that first of all, out. you'd have an HR complaint on That's, your hand. If you have an HR department, if not like, yeah, Chris, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I've been fairly quiet about this. Uh, I sent out one tweet. And, and the reason for it is like within within the first hour of this happening, I was seeing Larry Nasser being tweeted about like in context of this video. So it's like you, like you can't – at this point, you just know you're not dealing with any anything remotely close to uh, like – uh, stable people. So I, I, I'm tried to let it settle for a couple days. It has, well, you know what the sad part, and I'll let you finish your thought. The sad part about no, that ahead. is it wasn't just people on Twitter. Like that was an article that went up in the Detroit right. news. Like, yeah. let's call it what it is. Like Nolan Finley wrote an article in the Detroit news. I don't know him. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole of dogging him, but it's a bad article to, to make that, to, to create that parallel is just so irresponsible and and actually kind of disgusting to me. Yeah. And I, and I'd call it disgusting too, except I truly, and I I feel this way with a lot of, of sports personalities. I think deep down, he doesn't believe a lot of what he wrote. He just wrote it because he knew it would get a rise out of people and bringing up, and this is where the disgusting part comes in using an actual tragedy an actual scandal uh, to try to get get eyes on on uh, your article, if that's what he did, I don't know. Like I said, don't know him. 
that that part to me is disgusting. Now I'll say this. Me personally, I, I'm a fragile little boy. I <laughs> I too, don't man. like yeah, I don't like, nor would I respond to that brand of coaching. And before the jokes get thrown out of well, what have you ever done athletically? Look. All right. I'm not an athlete. I fully acknowledge. You know why? You know why I can tell I'm not an athlete? Because I played tennis in high school. It was pretty damn good. All right. I was an all-state tennis player my senior year, and I played under a coach that a lot of people, when they saw him, said, that guy's not a tennis coach. He's more of a football coach. It was an intense, intense experience. And often he would get in people's faces and he would yell. I've had to deal with coaches who have done that. Guys I've played for, guys I've never played for. So I, I have I I have some experience with this. I would shut down at that brand of coaching. I could never play for Tom Izzo. Just it's throwing it out there. Now, with that said, there are guys who respond better to get to that type of lashing. There are guys who 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 can't perform unless they have somebody in their face telling them you need to step up. And I think Izzo more than almost any other coach in the country understands that. Now, where the issue comes in is is what the situation was. MSU was in the middle of like a 10-0 run. And, and Izzo's reaction, you, and this this is what I tweeted. It's like, it's it's possible to say that you think Izzo is a perfectly good human being and a great coach and also think his reaction was over the top. Because this is coming from somebody who literally last summer injured his vocal cords because he was screaming so much about the Detroit Tigers. This is coming from me. His reaction was over the top. That is the type of reaction you have when you find out that like a child was abused. And, and he is, he was clenching his fist, just biting his teeth, like looking like he was about to eat his own face, just screaming. It wasn't a great look. Now, I think all of a sudden things have kind of turned completely the other way where Izzo is almost like a victim in this. When in reality, 99.9% of people who've seen this clip have responded and said, okay, that's how he coaches. It's a very, very small contingency that has said he needs to get fired or, or, or something needs to be done about this. So that's that's really my thoughts on it. I don't, would not respond to it. I think it's I think personally it's ridiculous. I can't and I look if I was a coach I would yell at players. Right? I can't say I wouldn't. I can't imagine g- getting that angry. But I haven't been to six Final Fours. I'm not I'm not making Tom Izzo money. So I, I it's a lot of people are gonna have different opinions on it. I understand. I just. It, yeah, and, and it's it's that's, it's strange to me that this has become such a, a a big big issue. Maybe it's a sign of the fact that this tournament just hasn't been that great so far. But for whatever reason, this has just caught fire. Well, I I want to leave uh, my take on that note. I guess my biggest problem with it is Tom Izzo has the all the authority in that situation. Aaron Henry can't respond any way other than the way he did. Tom Izzo's getting paid millions of dollars. Aaron Henry is on an athletic scholarship, not getting paid. Like it, it is what it is. Tom Izzo has all the authority. And maybe that's where I think he went over the top yeah. is that, you, you know, Aaron Henry can't do anything in that situation. He's not allowed to, to grab Tom Izzo's hand and push it out of the way, push Tom Izzo, anything like that to get him out of his face. Like Aaron Henry's in a lose-lose situation there. He has to do what he has to do. And then he has to say in the press conference what he said, whether or not he actually believes it because he's not allowed to come out and criticize Tom Izzo. Again, Tom Izzo 
controls that young man's fate in his hands. Like, I guess well, that's where I have the biggest the, problem, and that's, that's just how I want to end it. Where this storyline will end, if Aaron Henry transfers, then I think that will tell you all you need to know. If he doesn't transfer, that will tell you all you need to know. Um, I think that you know it was uh, not a great moment, especially in a, at a point and in a game where things were actually going decently at the time. Uh, just a bad look, bad situation. Uh, I think it starts and ends there. I think the biggest misconception of all of it is that, um, you know, it's a sign that Tom Izzo doesn't respect his players. I think it was a moment, definitely not a very, definitely not the best looking moment, but I mean, this is a guy who just whatever it was, five or six days before that Kyle Arns gets injured in Chicago and the man is crying on the side, like tears rolling down his face. He has a love and respect for his players and, his style is what his style is. And, and no, would I respond to that? Probably I wouldn't have cared for that at all. Probably would have frustrated me. Probably would have took me out of the game a little bit more um, from a mentality standpoint. But um, I guess that is that is Michigan State. That is big-time college athletics. And, and to a certain extent, when you come to play for Tom Izzo, that is what you're signing up for. So, I think it just kind of starts and ends there. I think someone asked John Beeline and, and players about it. And um, I thought, I think they said that they respected the way he coached and something like basically uh, this is a, this, the only reason it's a story is because we're talking about it. I don't see this. <laughs> yeah. I don't see this as being a, a huge issue. And the, the parallel that was drawn to the mismanagement in the athletic department at Michigan state is just so to me, just so irresponsible uh, because despite all of the hot takery and the reports and all that, um, you know, I think that for the most part, the man has done his job to the best of his ability and, and you can't argue with the results they've gotten. So um, is what it is. Uh, I think it's just magnified because of where we kind of are at in society. Um, we would never, and I guess it's a, for some people, it's a, a, a Michigan fan point of trolling. Uh, but to me, it's just, it's a rise. It's a rise for no reason. There were, there's a billion cameras there um, at these tournament games. And it, I mean, how they had a camera that was dedicated solely to Zion Williamson. And if he, you know, <laughs> to a guy that almost lost in the second round. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If he picked his nose, there's a camera on him. If he, you know, kind of lifted his leg up on the bench to, you know, relieve some gas. Like there was a camera on it. Like it's, it is what it is. And I, that, that, that was no outrage from other coaches. We saw of the weekend um, kind of getting fiery and getting in their, in their players faces. Um, that doesn't exonerate Tom Izzo, but I, I just think it's kind of ridiculous is all. Well, that's where we'll end this one. Sweet 16, Elite Eight weekend, second weekend of the NCAA tournament coming up here. Michigan's still alive, and hopefully when we're back on Brewcast next week, uh, well, Michigan will still be alive. Chris, where can we find you on social media? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Castellani2014. That's at C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2-0. One four. Also, my Snapchat is under the same handle. In the link to my Twitter, you'll find the link to my YouTube page as well. And I'm also on Instagram at Chris Castle ninety five C H R I S C A S T L E nine five. Guys, it is an unbelievable time of the year in sports. Baseball starts this Thursday. Post games are coming back. 
Still talking Michigan basketball, of course. The next month is going to be wild. We got Avengers Endgame coming up. Yes. We got the new Twilight Twilight Zone coming out. So I'm going to be all over the place putting out content, and I hope to see you in my feed. Anthony. Yeah, um, and Chris, you're probably the breaking news for a lot of people that baseball starts this week because Major League Baseball sure as hell are not promoting it. So uh, I know, man. But uh, yeah, uh, Chris is a good baseball mind. Follow him. I'll use some of my time for Chris. I have a few little um, – I was going to say I had an announcement, but really just – um, I spent, so here's a few things. One, we need some, we need some reviews. We need some five-star ratings from you guys. I have a box full of Maze and Brew t-shirts at HQ here. If you write a review, give us a five-star rating, screenshot it, video, or uh, do the screen recording, whatever. Screenshot it, tweet it to me at Anthony T. Broom, and maybe, just maybe, I'll send you a t-shirt, uh, via the mail so screenshot give us a five-star review all that stuff um i've got some swag to give away so i'm in a giving mood this time of year Uh, a lot of people that's christmas time but uh for me that's it's now so do that five-star review for maze of brew podcast all of that um and hopefully hopefully when we do this show next week it will not be a funeral but it will be the beginning of a celebration hopefully that would be optimal, ideal. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Gerdi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Also, don't forget to follow the Brewcast Show Twitter page at Brewcast Show. Uh, go interact with us on there. We all have the account, you know, so it could be any one of us at any given time. So go interact. It's it's a it's a whole lot of fun, definitely, and we're gonna have some fun this weekend. Hopefully, for two games coming up. So for Chris Castellani, for Anthony Broom, I'm Luke Yardy, and we'll be back next week on Brewcast. Brewcast.